the internet, your phone should have automatically changed, right? So, yes, we have clocks that are some are right and some are wrong at home right now. But, yeah, I'm proud of you guys getting your clocks right. Love it. Love it. That first service. I wonder how many people will walk in and, you know, just a little while here, halfway through the message, and be like, what's happening? Where are we going? Where am I? It'd be kind of funny, wouldn't it? Should we all stop and, like, point and laugh or... Yes? Okay, that's, that's the plan. We could slow clap them in is what we'll do. And No, I'm kidding. We won't do that. It would be so embarrassing. Could you imagine? Like the whole church is like, yeah, that's funny. Before I get going today, I got two quick announcements um, that we're going to talk about. The first one is um, tonight is our family meeting. So if you are interested in bylaws and budgets and board members and, and kind of the, the nuts and bolts of how this stuff like plugs together, tonight's that meeting. Um, it's something that uh, uh, we're going to do from time to time and, and uh, and so anyhow, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it, if you're into that, come, please be part of it. Everybody who calls this church their home church, you're welcome to be here. Um, and, uh, and so we'd love to have you here, and it'll be uh, about a one-hour meeting. Um, uh, pastor Steve will be here, actually. Um, my dad, who is the pastor here for 25 years, and he's still on the board, and so he is in Albuquerque uh, today at a different church. I, I, He's not in Albuquerque. He is in Fort Sumner. Sorry, Fort Sumner at a different church. I know, I know. He agreed to preach for them. And so I was like, all right, all right. I, uh, but you're going to be here tonight. So he'll be here tonight. So, it, you know, it'll be, it'll be great to, to see him again. We'll have child care here up to, um, I think it's three years old. So uh, it, it's not a super formal meeting. You know, if your kids are here and they're coloring and they're a little bit noisy or whatever, it's not. It's not a big deal. So um, uh, we have kids. I know how it is. Please feel free to bring them, and don't worry. They're not a disruption. So um, the second one is this, is that we actually need some help in our technology booth. And um, hey guys, how, how many of you guys appreciate our technology team? I got to tell you, like... Those guys back there, you kill it in week in and week out, and, and, uh, and, and they, they just do a good job. It's super, um, they always keep it really super smooth, and, and, uh, and they do a really, really good job. And so um, it always sounds good and looks good and everything else. So thank you guys for what you do. And, but we need help. We're trying to grow our team because we're trying to do a better job of live streaming out to the internet and, and reaching beyond our walls. And we just need a few more people to help out so that we can help up, up our game a little bit, up the, the processes a little bit on that. Is, it, is this my mic that's messing up? If it messes up too much, can you grab me the other one, the handheld or something? It's up to you, whatever you decide. Tech teams are good. Yeah, so guys, uh, welcome guests. If you're new, my name is Matt. I'm the pastor. My wife, Amber, and I were the pastors here. We'd love to get to know you. We'll be in the lobby hanging out, or you can even text into the office if you'd like, and, and that's a quick and easy way to say, hey, and I was here, and we love to make some new friends. At this time, we're also going to receive tithes and offerings, and, and so if you came prepared to give this morning, this is that time, and uh, you can do that electronically off of our website or our tech system, or you can do it through um, drop boxes throughout the building. Let's pray over the tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to give. God, you have given to us so much. And as we continue to be good stewards of, um, of what you've given us, God, we just um, ask you that you would, um, that you would uh, just, just bless the finances. Everywhere the dollars go, they would make your name famous and extend your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we're going we're gonna to make a little switcheroo. Make a little switcheroo. There we go. I'll turn this one off. That way we don't get two going at once because God only knows what would happen if two microphones happen. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Somebody was asking me, like, why did you start telling dad jokes on Sundays? And I don't know if you remember, if you were here a couple of years ago, it kind of happened accidentally during Christmas season. I, and I, I started telling Christmas dad jokes. And, and, uh, and so we're going to go throw it old school because I always used to say that I only tell dad jokes on holidays, right? And so um, today's holiday is it's actually National Check Your Batteries Day. 
I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, so, you know, super famous. Yeah, so, um, and funny, funny, Walmart had a sale on batteries because of the holiday. And if you buy the, if you buy the charger, they'll give you the battery free of charge. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah, absolutely. And so then, of course, there's the stereotypical mother. I have a great mother-in-law, but, but you may not. But what's the difference between a battery and your mother-in-law? Uh, the battery has a positive side. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and did you hear the energy, energy bunny, energizer bunny got arrested? He was charged with battery, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. I don't know why I do this to you. I know, it's torture and I love it. There's an elderly couple that was in church, and um, the elderly couple was there sitting there, and, and um, the, the wife leans over the husband and says, I just let out a huge silent fart, and it really stinks. What should I do? And he's like, you should have the batteries on your hearing aid checked. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we're in a series, week number two, of called Liar, Liar. And we thought, we'll just throw pants on fire in there too. So Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire is a series that we're in. And, and we're talking about lies and lies that we believe. And, and I'm not talking about you telling lies. That, that'll be a different series, a different day. But, uh, of course, none of us here ever tell lies. But, but guess what? We live in a world where there's lies being told to us all the time. And, and we, we call them different things. There's, there's different ways we, we phrase it. And, and we, we just call it maybe a alternative facts, you know, uh, that's a popular one or fake news or whatever. But people are always calling things lies, and they're always, you see lies all around us. But, but those lies, sometimes from a distance, when you recognize that it's a lie, you recognize it's a lie. And it's like, well, I just see that that's a lie. But what happens to the lies that you start to believe? What happens to the ones that, that are a lie, but you don't know they're a lie, and then you believe it that it's a lie? And then, right, it can become a bit of a, a problem in life. In fact, we see lies all the time, and, and if you believe the lie or if you fall into the trap that the lie is setting for you, then, then, then something bad could happen. There was a, a young man at Walmart, and um, he was waiting in line to get groceries, and this old lady who was right in front of him at the thing, she kept looking back at him and staring at him and staring at him, and, and he's like, you know, thinking this is kind of weird, and, and the lady comes up, she's like, you look exactly like my son who passed a couple years ago, and I'm just... Like, just shocked. It's just stunning. It just brings back all these emotions. And the guy's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry for your loss. And she's like, yeah, you know, sounds crazy, but can you just call me mom for a couple minutes? Like, I just feel like it would help me with closure. And he's like, yeah, I mean, sure, I, I'd be willing to call you mom. And, and, uh, and so they're in, you know, they're in line. And then she gets up, and she's checking out her groceries and paying. And so he's kind of loading his stuff up. And then, you know, and then he kind of gets in front of his cart. And they're talking again. And sure thing, Mom, yeah, son, okay, great. No. And then she leaves. And bye, son. Bye, Mom. See you later. You know, and he's got his five things. And he says, that'll be $362. And he's like, what? Well, your mother said you were paying for the groceries today. <laughs> when you fall into the lie and the trap that it sets, and you believe it, and then you suck her into a thing, and then it, it gets you, right? You ever fallen into a lie somewhere and you, you maybe got taken for something because you believed something that, that wasn't true, right? You believed something that wasn't true. How many of you have a piece of exercise gear that you have purchased for four easy payments 
um, and it's sitting somewhere in your, in your house, and, and, and yet you don't look like the person that was advertising it on TV, right? That person has, you know, 5% body fat and massive muscles, and, and they did it all with this one little piece of gear. That, at least that's what they would have you believe. And now you've got a piece of gear, a treadmill collecting dust, a bike, the Ab Master 10,000, whatever it might be. You had nine-minute abs, but that wasn't good enough, so you bought seven-minute abs. And, and now, you know, they need five-minute abs, and you're like, dear God, and the five-minute ab guy looks more ripped than the nine-minute ab guy. So clearly it's working, right? And so you buy the videos and you sit them there and you watch them one time. And the, have you ever done this? You watch them the first time. You just sit on the couch and eat popcorn because you know, just you know, you got to know what you're getting into first, you know. And you just watch the whole thing. You're like, that looks interesting. I might be able to do that. And then you don't ever do it. Or maybe you do it once and then you drop it. You know, it happens all the time. You start to buy into something. Deception is this funny thing. Deception is this funny thing. It's when you, when you believe a lie and you accept the lie as truth, you are now deceived. And deception is a crazy thing because you don't know if you're deceived. Like if you are deceived, you don't know it by the sheer nature of being deceived. The deceived person has accepted a lie as truth and made decisions based on that deception. From the lady in the grocery store line saying, will you call me mom? Can I call you Son, it was a lie to, to be able to get him deceived, and then actions were taken, and it cost him $300. Sometimes the deception comes from within, though. Do you ever lie to yourself? Sometimes that's, that, that can be really bad, right? We can lie to ourselves. In fact, it's been said that man's deception, or, or man's ability for self deception is unlimited. It's unlimited. Guys, this whole topic that we're talking about and started last week and we're going to do the next few weeks, it's super important because we, we've been fighting this, this, this thing. We've been fighting this, this battle. It, it, it's, a, it's a spiritual battle, if you will. And there's a war in our head and, and there's a war that's going on around us. And, and, and if we don't have our eyes open to what's happening around us in the spiritual realm, we can get fall into deception on things that the enemy, Satan, is lying to us. And if we don't recognize it for lies and fight against those things, we can buy into the lie, become deceived in something, and we can have some stinking thinking in some areas in our life, and it can cause some serious problems and some serious challenges. There's a war. I'm telling you, there's a war in your mind, and I think today's a day that we ought to start winning that war. If we're not winning it now, we should be winning it. We're going to win so much, you're sick of winning. Isn't that what the president said? <laughs> if our belief system gets infected by lies, we get turned around. We get, we get stuck on things. The lies that, that come in, we get, we get stuck on things, and we get like, like a speed bump in the road that sometimes we just can't get over. And those lies that we believe turn into strongholds. And those strongholds are things that we have a hard time shaking. And, and it turns into things that the enemy doesn't even have to try very hard anymore because the lie is so embedded into your system that he doesn't have to overcome all those barriers because it cuts deep to the heart. And just a small thing will trigger a massive result and a mass, massive reaction because we bought into this lie for so long. It's been so deeply embedded into where we're at. These strongholds, these habits that we can't shake, 
Sometimes these habits and these strongholds and these mentalities and, and then the lies and the deception we buy into, we want to get free from it. Oftentimes it manifests a certain fruit in our life and we will attack the fruit of what's going on in our life. And we'll, we'll attack those things. We'll attack the, the, oh man, I just keep gossiping and I want to stop gossiping. And we, we attack the symptoms of the sin that comes out of our life. But I'm telling you, if you want to get set free, you've got to understand where the root of it is at, which is, which is in lies from the devil. When you find these lies and you've got to pull it by the root. And so instead of attacking the fruit, you can attack the root. And when you have clarity from, from, from God, when you have insight from God on where that's at, you can disarm the lie. And when you disarm the lie, you can find freedom from what you're, what you're, which has been holding you down and holding you back. You can find freedom and becoming, so you can become everything that God has called you to be, to, have, to be able to advance God's kingdom and God's mission everywhere. Listen, guys, we can find victory in the battle that we're all facing. You can find victory in the battle. Today we're going to spend the bulk of our time in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 6. And, and, and at the end of Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the armor of God. The armor of God. And, and I, I was a kid that had these play sets. I don't know if you guys ever experienced this. I was a church kid. So I, I, I was a pastor's kid. So I grew up in, you know, in, in a very churchy environment. And, and they would buy armor of God like play sets. And so you could like strap on the little shoes and the shin guards and, and, and the, 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 the plastic chest piece and the swords. And, and it was like sword of the spirit and breastplate of righteousness. And, and we, would, we had these little play armor sets when we were, we were kids. I think it was like the Christian way of like fighting. But, because we didn't like talk, I didn't, like, didn't quote scripture when we were doing this. My brother and I would just beat on each other with plastic swords. <laughs> and it was like, it was just a way for kids to like just beat each other up for no reason. But, but we did it in the name of the Lord, right? And so we, we were like, yeah, we're playing Bible. Like, oh, that sounds great, son. Yeah, we're playing Bible. Yeah, die. <laughs> so anyhow, here we go. Verse 10, chapter six, verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Listen, Sometimes when we're fighting a spiritual battle, it seems like it's stronger than you are. Guess what? It, it kind of is. And, and so it says here, it starts off right in the beginning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power and the strength of his might. Not your might. It's his might. And so when we're fighting a spiritual battle, it can't just be what I can control and what I can do. There has to be an element where you're engaging the spirit side. We're engaging the Holy Spirit in your battles because when the battle belongs to the Lord, I'm telling you, there's a victory in that. But when the battle belongs to me, I'm going to struggle and I'm going to have a hard time. And I'm not, I don't know if I can beat this thing, but I, 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 I'm the son of a living God who can beat anything. And so when, when I'm doing it in his might and his strength, a different kind of power is engaged when we're fighting the lies of the enemy. Verse 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God, not part, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Stand against the schemes of the devil. How many of you guys know the devil is always scheming? He's always plotting He's always scheming. He's always trying to come up with another strategy, another way to attack, another way to control, another way to manipulate, a new and clever way to try to lie, another way to manipulate the truth, to, to maybe share just a, a, a partial truth or a half-truth to try to get you to, to do something that, that he wants you to do. The enemy is always scheming. He's always plotting. He's always planning. There is a real enemy that's really there and really coming after, after us. And, and his primary weapon... The enemy's primary weapon is lies. It's lies. His primary weapon, he is lies. 
His ultimate goal, his ultimate goal is to separate you from God. And here's what it shows up as. It shows up as confusion. It shows up as chaos. It shows up as like half-truths. Sometimes it is absolutely blatant lies. Sometimes it is blatant lies. Verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil and heavenly places. So it's, it's interesting because if you look at the world with a human earthly perspective without considering a spiritual realm that is out there, there is like another dimension to this world. And, and I don't, I'm going to try to explain this the best that I can. So, so follow me. If it sounds a little confusing, follow me. But if, if we lived in a two-dimensional world and really there was a third dimension we wouldn't understand how to comprehend that third dimension, right? We wouldn't fully understand that. And so picture this. If a two-dimensional world was flat and there was no depth to it, it would be like a sheet of paper. And if there's a third dimension, let's say my third dimension hand was going to, with fingers extended, push into a two-dimensional world. When the, with the flat plane there, when the, when, the, when the hand touched, the first thing you would see is one little circle in the middle because my middle finger is slightly longer than the other ones. And as that circle were to grow in diameter, coming through that paper plane, my, my next finger is a pointer and ring finger would almost simultaneously touch that paper. Two different circles, different points uh, in, in the map, not connected. Clearly, there's no line between them. And as it goes through, they get the bigger circles are getting bigger, but at different rates because my fingers are different dimensions. And as it gets bigger and bigger, the, the pinky finally touches, and then at the end of it all, my thumb is pressing through, and this random big fat circle coming through the paper now. You guys kind of picking up what I'm putting down? Right? There's these circles that would just kind of grow, not connected to each other. And from a two-dimensional world, you would see that and say, there are five completely separate events that are not connected to one another. They had different timing. They grew at different rates. They're not connected. There's no lines between them. I don't, you know, listen, it's just coincidence. I'm telling you that what you don't see in that third dimension, if you were a two-dimensional person, is that it's all connected back behind the dimension that you can't understand and see in your two-dimensional world because there's a third dimension. There is a spiritual realm that you and I cannot comprehend with our physical five senses. There is a spiritual realm that is out there. There is a spiritual war that is happening all around us. And, and I'm telling you that there is a spirit side of things that, that as a believer, when you, are, when you are woke in the spirit, did I just say woke? When you are woke in the spirit, you know, there is something that happens on the inside. And all of a sudden, there's a dimension that you can start to feel and start to sense. And, and your spider tingly start to go. Your spider senses, you know, you're like, something just ain't right. I can just feel it in my spirit. Something isn't right, and I don't understand. You start to comprehend, and as you, as the Holy Spirit grows inside of you, you start to be able to feel and sense even more of that activity around you. There is a spirit side that is real, people. It's really connected, and when the world says those are just completely independent circumstances that are not connected, obviously you can't see a line between them. I'm telling you, the hand of God could be reaching into our world, doing something, and we can't see it with our physical senses, but the hand of God is real, and there's a spiritual war that's happening. There's a dimension that, that, that you just can't pick up, and people think you're crazy when you're like, I just think God's up to something. You're nuts, right? People are like, oh, you're crazy. 
God's up to something. I just, no, what, God, what are you talking about? I can't see it. Listen, I, I know you can't see it, but, but there's a spirit realm that's real. And, and this is what this is talking about. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's rulers, it's authorities, cosmic powers, present darkness and spiritual forces in heavenly places, in heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. When is this evil day going to happen? I don't know about you, but it feels like there's a lot of evil around us all the time. Right? I feel like it's maybe not a single day, but maybe it's an era. It's a time period. I don't know about you, but I look into the world and I see things like mass shootings happening and genocide and, 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 and dictators mowing down their own citizens and, and killing people. You see this, this mass evil happening all around our country, all around the world. Even in our own country, we're seeing things that it just seems like pure evil that happens inside of our own country. Listen, we're living in an evil day. We need the armor of God to be able to battle beyond just our five senses, but be able to battle in the spirit realm. And, and, and that's what this is saying. Take up the whole armor that you may be, part, be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Therefore, verse 14, therefore, or stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Every time you see the word therefore in the Bible, you always should ask yourself, what's that therefore? Because it's like a transition word that you're always looking at. Like we started this off, it said finally. And we're going to pick that up. Well, finally. Finally what? What came before finally? We'll look at that in a second. But the therefore, therefore take up the whole armor of God. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness and for the shoes of your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Because of the battle that's there, therefore, you need to do these things that are there. Verse 16, in all circumstances. How many circumstances? All. All circumstances. All circumstances. Take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. All circumstances. Listen, uh, our, our faith should be something that is aggressive. It's something that should be out front. It's not something that should be hidden in the back. It's not something that we pull out as a last resort when we just can't handle enough. It, it, the faith, faith is the shield that should be there in all circumstances, in, in, in every battle, in every struggle, in everything that we're dealing with. Like, do you realize that these flaming darts from the evil one, they're coming at you all the time. Like there's, there's a, kind of a barrage of them. They might feel like they come in waves, and they may. They might come for, in waves, and then they may let up for a little bit. And they might come back in other waves, and they might let up for a little bit. But there's always these flaming darts coming at you, these lies from the devil that are coming at you all the time. And they want to get into your mind. And they want to they get into, can, can the flaming dart land on you? That, that's what the devil is trying to do. Listen, you can't control whether he shoots them or not. 
because he's gonna. You can't control what he's aiming for because he's aiming for something. You can't control any of that stuff. The only thing that you can do is pick up the shield of faith and say, okay, I'm gonna pick up, pick up the shield of faith. You know, we, uh, the, the Roman soldiers had a couple different shields. They had their, their pretty shield that they used in marches and parades. They, they had a, and like, why would they even have a pretty shield? Look at our men and women in uniform. They have dress uniforms when they're doing dressy things, right? They don't wear that out into battle. They have a battle uniform and they have a dress uniform. Same thing. The Roman soldiers had, had a, a fancy pretty shield. It was small. It was round. It was, it was more decorative than, than anything else. But they also had a battle shield. And now that battle shield was a little bit different because it was big. It was strong. It was, it was wide enough and tall enough that a person could fit behind it in the case of battle. They could shield their entire body. Now, they made them out of different materials on the surface, um, and, and, and sometimes they had some that had kind of a metal skin, but they actually, the meat of them was made out of leather. That way they could get strong uh, materials, and, and, and it was still fairly lightweight. If you made steel an inch thick, it would be too heavy for a man to carry, and so they made it out of leather, multiple layers of leather that was bound together, and so they had a special process that they had to use to care for the shield that they were issued. And they had to oil that shield. They had to, because it was leather, they had to keep it moist and they had to keep it oiled up and they had to keep it um, well-conditioned. And so they would always be caring for their shields in this way. And so if they kept it soft and they kept it pliable, as things hit it, it would absorb and it wouldn't break apart. But if it was a dried up, cracked leather that was falling, that was starting to, it starts to disintegrate. And so that in battle, when something hard hits it, it'll start breaking up into pieces. So when someone's shooting an arrow at you, if it was um, soft and supple still, when that arrow hit, it would, it would stick in that thing, but it wouldn't go all the way through, but it would still maintain the, the integrity of the shield. If it was dried up and cracking, then the arrow would hit and it would possibly break off chunks. The, the shield would start to disintegrate. You've got to keep your shield well-oiled and conditioned. Listen, your shield of faith is the same way. You've got to keep it well-oiled. You have to keep it conditioned. You know, how do you condition your shield of faith? I, I'm telling you, you got to rub some oil on it, the oil of the Holy Spirit. you got to be able to spend time with the Lord, and you got to spend quiet time with Him. you got to spend time worshiping and in His presence. And as you spend time in the presence of God, it starts to kind of lubricate things. It helps to bring life into things. It helps to keep things soft and pliable. And, 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 and the oil of the Lord is something that, that is an anointing that comes and, and, and that you need that for your faith. Your faith needs that. It absolutely needs that. Before battles, they would do this other thing that was amazing. They would take their, their shield and they would soak it in water. They would, they would take it down to a stream or a lake and they would submerge it and get it completely soaked all the way, completely saturated in water. And so now you have this, now it's heavy. It wasn't heavy before, but now it's, it's heavy. And, and now they have this shield that is heavy and it's saturated, it's soft. And, and, and they're like, what? why would you want this? Because back then the enemy literally shot flaming arrows at them. And when a fiery arrow would hit that, that shield, it would put the flames out. It wouldn't continue to burn because there was so much moisture inside of the shield. Listen, we have got to keep our shield fresh and, and, and wet and oiled up. There, there's a maintenance process. There's, there's preparation that we have to put into our shield of faith. Faith is not saying, I believe something, blah, blah, blah. Faith is actually being able to absorb those truths in, in, in the Bible and in God's word and be able to put that into practice. 
You know, the other thing that those, those shields did is that they had a, a hooks on the side of them. And so they could actually hook their shields together in time of battle. And you see it in like the movies like 300 or some of those movies where they actually hook their shields together to form a wall of protection that is greater than the sum of its parts. Listen, you and I, we've got faith. Sometimes we as Christians, we can slip into a me and Jesus kind of mode and be like, well, I just, I believe in Jesus and me, it's just me and Jesus and, and my little shield. But listen, sometimes the attack of the enemy comes against you and you need to have other shields to hook onto. You need to have some, a wall of, of, of protection against you and your family. And, and sometimes you need to be able to hook up with other people. That's why small groups are so important. Because you can show up on Sunday, maybe be encouraged, inspired in your faith. But if you don't have the, that connection that to somebody else that's also standing with you in the fight and in the battle, you get stronger when you have that person. You get stronger when you have those people around you. This is why as if you're married, it's so helpful that you're both on the same page on this. And if you're not, that, that's okay. Hopefully you can get there. But if, but if, you're, if you need friends, you need, you need people, you need community to help you hook on so that, that you can connect together and create a wall of protection. In order for our faith to extinguish the flaming arrows, our faith must be soaked in the word and in the spirit of God. You've got to get as much word in you as possible. You've got to. You have to get as much word into you as possible. And you need to get your spirit charged with the presence of God. Get your spirit charged with the presence of God. I just want to tell you how I do it. doesn't mean this is how you should do it. But, but you know, the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. They're, they're spiritual. In fact, all through Scripture, it talks about how even praise is a weapon in the spiritual sense. And so this, this is one of the things that I do is, is I'll be driving around town and I turn on worship music in my car. I'm by myself. I can sing loud and off key and nobody cares. And the Lord in the Bible says make a joyful noise, not an accurate sound, but a joyful noise. And so I'll be joyful and I'll sing and, and, and I'll praise God. And, 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 and so I do this thing where I'm driving around and I'll be driving between the house and the office or an appointment or whatever else I have going on throughout the day. And, and there, you know, there are times where I'm listening to a podcast, and, but I'm telling you there's other times where I need to saturate my spirit. And I start listening to praise and worship music and I start singing along. And then in the Bible, it even talks about making a new song unto the Lord. And so there are times where this song has big instrumental breaks where they're not singing and I'll just make up my own song and it's terrible and it doesn't rhyme and, and, and it doesn't have all the right beats like their lyrics do, but it's, it's the song that I think God's putting in my heart. And so I start singing praises to God that, that it's a new song that's coming out of my heart and my spirit. And if the song is about thanking God, then, then and there's an instrumental break. I start just thanking God for the things in my life. And I sing off key, right? And I sing off pitch and it doesn't rhyme, but I start saying, thank you, God, for putting a roof over my head and providing for my family. God, I just thank you for healing my heart and my soul from, from the pain and trauma that I've gone through in different points in my life. God, I just thank you for putting a protection around my family. You know, and you start to sing these like prayers almost in the middle. That's how I do it. Now, maybe that's not the right fit for you. I don't really know, but you've got to find some way to saturate your spirit in a way that, that does it. What's the, thing that, what's the thing that helps you feel the closest to God? Do that. Well, it's fishing by myself out in the lake. Well, run that by the wife first, but, you know. You know, it, uh, golfing 18 holes by myself, you know. Uh, just being out in nature, you know. And maybe it is being out in nature. Maybe it is being out in nature. When you, maybe when you are walking in nature, you're, you, it's a thing where like just the beauty of God's creation is a very spiritual moment for you. 
And maybe in the midst of that, your prayer life starts to, starts to open up and engage. What is it that helps you draw closer to God? And do that. And do that. And do that. You've got to get charged with the presence of God. The Roman arrows had this interesting thing. They had hollow tubes. There was a season they did this. They had these hollow tubes in, their, in, their, in the arrow shaft. And they would, they would dip the, the tip in, um, in pitch, in tar. They would light it. And inside of the hollow tube would be more um, uh, flammable material, more flammable liquid. It would be almost like, a, like in our world, like gasoline or something like that. And so they would dip it in pitch. They would light the tip of the arrow. And they would launch that thing. And when the arrow would have impact, it would have enough impact to break the, the shaft enough that it would crack and all that liquid would dump out. And so they're like firebombing the enemy. That's what they, they would literally light the thing and launch it. And then when it hit, it was like, boom. It was like almost like a little mini explosion that would happen with the arrows that, that they used. L listen, the enemy is sending charged arrows your way all the time. And you've got to have your shield of faith strong and ready to go at all times. At all times. You don't know if they were filled with that stuff until they hit. It's funny. We can see the attack of the enemy sometimes. We see it, we're like, oh yeah, I'm not going to fall for that one. Oh yeah, that's not going to happen to me. No, I know that, no, no, that's, that. and you downplay it, and you're not prepared, and you don't know how it's going to, but when it hits, all of a sudden you realize, oh no, this is like a firebomb arrow that's going to explode. Sometimes we can downplay the attack, I'm telling you don't, in all circumstances, it says, in all situations. That shouldn't be your backup defense, your faith should be your frontline defense, Amen. your everyday, all the time defense. So I have two quick points, maybe three, depending on how we go here today. Number one, you got to know your enemy. You've got to know your enemy. If you want to know how to def how to defend yourself against the attack of the enemy, you got to know who your enemy is. We're fighting against a spiritual warfare. People are not your enemy. People are not your enemy. Now, that isn't to say that what they're doing isn't the work of the enemy working through them or working through their, the circumstances there. And it might look like it's people that are your enemy. People are not your enemy. We're fighting against the devil, that, a spiritual war, not a flesh and blood war. In verse 10, it said, finally. Remember, it said, Finally. And it started going through, finally, what? It's interesting. Paul writes this letter from prison. And, um, and, and you know, all six chapters of Ephesians would have probably been one letter. And, and so he wrote the whole thing. And, and later on, they put chapters and verse numbers so that we could easily reference to get on the same page as a church. But, um, but, but it wasn't like that in the beginning. It's funny, the whole rest of the chapter is not talking about this. It's not talking about armor. It's not talking about spiritual warfare. It's not talking about any of this stuff. In fact, if you go look, the, 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 chapter, the rest of chapter 6, the first part of chapter 6, and even chapter 5, it's talking about husbands and wives in relationship. Your spouse is not your enemy. There might be moments where you think they are, <laughs> but they're not your enemy. They might say something that makes you think that they're your enemy, but they're not your enemy. You know, it talks about slaves and owners, which today's best translation would be like bosses and employees. Your boss is not your enemy. You might think that they are, but they're not. Your coworkers, 
They're not your enemy. They might feel like it. Nancy down the hall, Bob around the corner office there, those guys, oh my goodness. If your name is Bob or Nancy, I apologize. <laughs> but you know, like they're not your enemy. It feels like it. And if you're looking with your five senses, and as the most of the world looks at it, it looks like they're your enemy. But if you open up your spiritual eyes for a moment and get past from the two-dimensional to the three-dimensional, and you open your eyes to the spirit dimension that's happening around us, you quickly realize that they're not your enemy. And if you attack them, you're only going to create more problems and you're going to further the cycle of dysfunction that's been going on. But when you pause and say, wait a minute, they're not my enemy... My enemy is actually in a spirit realm, and I'm going to attack this problem on another level. I'm not going to attack this level on, there's a problem from the level that I'm currently functioning at. I'm going to attack this problem on a spiritual level. When you look at the world through that worldview lens, through the lens of, of, of there's a real spirit war that's happening, you start to recognize that the lies and deception of the devil, it comes through different avenues around us. And when, Chet, when Ephesians is talking about your husbands and your wives and your, and your kids and parents and and you're looking at bosses and employees and all these different relationships. It's kind of going through all the relationship, 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 relationship. And then it says, finally, insert armor of God. It's not like he was ran, He had an extra page of paper in prison. He's like, I don't know what else to write, guys. I'm out of room. I don't know what to do. And then a soldier walked by and he's like, oh, that'll preach. You know, and he's like, like, that isn't what, like, he wrote this thing as one giant succinct uh, communication because he understood that the battle that he's talking about at the end of Ephesians 6 is manifest itself in a way that you see around you. you you've got to understand that, that the lies of the enemy that want to steal, kill, and destroy, the, the lies of, of Satan that want to disrupt our lives come through these other avenues. Well, yeah, but my sister said this, and my office worker said this. They both said that I'm, I'm ugly and out of shape. Well, gee, I must be ugly and out of shape. Can you see that maybe there is a connection between the two or the three or the five events that happened in your life? Maybe there was an event in your childhood that tied into an event as a young adult that tied into an event in your marriage later down the road. And you're thinking, well, this is just who I am and who I will always be because it's always been this way. Can you take a step back for a moment and realize maybe those are three different things to you, but on the spirit side, on the background, it's connected to the same enemy. That's still attacking you because our, our war is not against flesh and blood. It's in spiritual things. Yes, that was an attack, that was an attack, and that was an attack. But they're all connected to the same thing. And you can attack the attacker that you think is there, or you can go to the root of the issue and say, I'm going to fight this battle on a spiritual level because I can see that there's a spiritual war that's happening here. I'm telling you today, I want you to find some freedom from some things that maybe, just maybe, we've caught ourselves locked up in some deception in our life. And the principalities and the powers. In John chapter 8, verse 44, it's, this is Jesus talking about the devil. And he says, you are of your father the devil. And you will, as you as your father desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. That's the devil. He does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, not if, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Listen, our enemy is the father of lies, and he is spinning lies all the time. The fiery arrows are launching toward us. There's an attack from the enemy all the time. And are we buying into the lies that he is shooting at us? Sometimes 
We've even lived with the lie long enough that it's become a serious stronghold in our life. Maybe you've felt rejected enough times in your life that you like pre-anticipate the rejection from people. And they still say the minorest thing, the tiniest little thing, but it triggers the stronghold that's living in your life. Have you ever felt like someone made a small statement and that maybe you just overreacted? Maybe not in the moment, you felt justified, but maybe a few hours later, you're like, boy, I took that to another level pretty quick, you know? Hey, listen, if you ever find that, there's a trigger of something that's going deeper into your life, that is probably a stronghold that is built on a lie from the enemy. I want you to find that. I want you to find that lie, disarm it, and break it out of your life. And through the power of who Jesus is, <laughs> it's, it can be done. You might have lived 30, 40, 50 years of your life this way, but you don't have to live your life that way anymore. Jesus came to set us free, and free indeed. He came to set us free from the lies of the enemy and the strongholds that can build up inside of us. Just because the anxiety has crushed you, just because the fear has terrified you and petrified you all of your life doesn't mean it has to be that way anymore. Let's find the lie that the enemy has somehow gotten into your life and let's uproot it. Let's uproot it. The lies of the enemy are these thoughts even that come against you. Sometimes we think, oh, those are just the voices in my head. No, those are the lies of the enemy coming at you. You know that every thought that comes into your head doesn't have to stay there. You can just like push that out the other side pretty fast. When I was a kid, my parents used to say, does it just go in one ear and out the other? You know, don't, don't take the trash out or whatever they asked me to do. Listen, you can do the same thing to the enemy. It's something that can whisper a thought, a lie. Something can whisper into your mind. And, and you have the ability and the authority in Christ to go, hold on a minute. Is this true? You should have a firewall in your brain figuring out what data is allowed in and what data isn't. What's a virus from the enemy that's coming in to corrupt my system? And, and what is truth from God's word that isn't? You need to have like a Jesus antivirus up on your brain helping filter out the thoughts that are flying in. You've, you've got to be able to do that. So we've got to live in victory. We have to live in victory. We don't have to come up with a strategy. We don't have to outsmart the devil oh we're just gonna outsmart that guy you don't have to you, you know why all we have to do is enforce what has already been finished jesus was crucified on the cross when he died for the sins of the world he said it is finished not i'm working on it not not like okay part one's done here we'll wait for part two not a not you know like like we're, we're halfway done folks uh, no, no, he says it, it's, it's finished. The work of the cross was finished when he died for our sins. He set us free. And when he came off of that cross, he went down to hell. He kicked in the front door of hell and he took away the keys from Satan saying, you no longer have the authority. No, the only authority that Satan has in our life is the authority that we give him. But he's always shooting the arrows. He's always bombarding us. He's always shooting these lies, which is why our shield of faith is so important. We can stand on what God's already done. We don't have to be afraid because God has not given us a spirit of fear. And in 2 Timothy 1, it says, For God gave us a spirit of fear, but not of power. But of, no, wait. For God gave us. There we go. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. There we go. My eyes were going faster than my brain. When I was younger and I wrestled with this roller coaster Christian life. And maybe you've ever felt this 
the highs and the lows of, of, of Christian life, where, where the, the mountaintop experiences were just this epic, oh, this is amazing, it feels so close to God, and how just a quickly, a couple of circumstances in life, I can be at the bottom of that same thing, going like, oh, where is he? He's left me, he's abandoned me. I'm so close to God, I'm so far from God. So close to God, I'm so far from God. It was in this roller coaster area, and it seemed like every dart the enemy fired landed. Every, everything that just came at life just knocked me down. It, it just, it, there was this time in life where, where that had, had happened, and, 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 and maybe you're living there today, but I want to tell you that you don't have to live in that roller coaster life. There's a stability that Christ can bring into your life. Top of the world, down in the dumps. If you're riding this roller coaster, you don't have to anymore. The fiery darts will keep coming. The lies will keep, keep flying. He's not going to stop. It might come in waves. came in waves for me. He's firing dart after dart after dart, clusters of darts. And I'm doing really good, like standing against him and faith and shield and God and yes. And, and then, and then the, the dart stopped. What did I do? I set down my shield. Took a seat. Yeah, all right. Boom. Fiery darts like crazy. Fiery darts like crazy. Fiery darts are coming, and you can't stop them from launching the attack. But you can quench them when they get to you. You think it's negative self-talk, but it's lies. It's lies from the enemy. And, and so this is what this looks like. I want to make this really practical for you. Really practical for you. Because you're sitting here today and, and you're probably thinking in your head, yeah, there might be a lie in this area that I'm believing. There might be a lie in that area I'm believing. Here's, here's what you got to do. You got to get a stack of index cards or post-it notes. I know you think, I'll make a note in my phone. No, you won't. Take index cards and post-it notes. And, and I'm telling you, this is a reason to this. Because you put it in your phone, you think about it for a day and you forget about it and it's buried in the stack of notes somewhere. But you take an index card or a post-it note. And you got to identify the lie that he's telling you. Like, like literally. Like literally the lie. Write it down word for word. Like write down word for word. What is the lie that he's telling me? Top of the index card. Lie that he's telling me. I'll never amount to anything. My family's all been addicts. I'm, I'm just going to be an addict. Doesn't matter what I do, I always fail. Gee, I could never get over this bump. Whatever, whatever it is, a lie that's coming at you that's just keeping you defeated. Write it down. Literally, write it down. Word for word, exactly what that lie is. Identify it. You write it down. And the next thing that you do, and as you can take some work, the next thing you got to do is now you got to go find some scripture verses that counteract that lie, that bring a filter to that lie. And you write those verses on the same card. Maybe it's sticky notes. Where are you going to see this thing? What's the lie and what is the verse that can combat that lie? And, and it'll take a little bit of work. But, but this is your shield of faith. Because when the lie starts to come at you, you just start to quote the word of God. And you just say, no, 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 no. Devil, that, that, that isn't true. I know it isn't true because I'm hanging on to this truth right here. Right? I'm hanging on to this truth right here. And so, so here we go. We've got fiery darts. I've got, I got a few of them here. We've got fiery darts and verses to go with them. I'm just going to list off four from that that I personally have had to struggle through and work through. Number one, God let this happen to you to punish you. Like, God let this happen to you to punish you. Like, he's, he's attacking you. He's, he's God, is, God, is, God is punishing me. Gee, I screwed up three days ago, and now this is happening. God is just trying to beat you down and, and beat you into submission. And, and, and hold on a minute. God is not trying to beat you down. 
He's not trying to break you. He's not trying to, you know what I mean? Like, he's not trying to, to, to just, like, whip you like you're his disobedient child and he's just going to abuse you. Like, that, that isn't what he's doing, right? That isn't what he's doing. But the enemy will come at you and say, well, you just screwed up so bad that God is now just punishing you. You better just take it. Just take the punishment and you deserved it. And, and, and that, and that lie starts to come in. Have you ever, I'm the only guy, maybe, have you ever felt that way? You have this whole idea, this mentality comes in. It's like, well, I deserve this because I totally screwed up. I deserve this because I totally messed up. And so you got to write this down. Romans 8, 28 says that God works all things together for the glory of, of, of him and for the people that, that serve him. And, and so if I'm God's people, then even the negative thing that's happening, God is in the midst of that to work something glorious through it. It may not be the situation that I want in my life, and it may be painful, but I got to tell you that some of the painful things in life actually produce amazing results. I don't like running on a treadmill. I don't like working out. I don't like having to eat salad. Me and salad are not friends. But, but in order for me to, to be able to be in shape and have a healthy heart, I have to do things that hurt. Halfway through the gym routine, I'm like, oh, I just want to pack up and go home. I don't want to keep doing this. In fact, we sit around the house, Amber and I joke about it, like the day after we work out, we're like, oh, I'm so sore, my muscles, oh, you know, and, and we, we have a massage gun, you ever gotten this little, they're amazing, oh my gosh, 130 bucks on Amazon, changed my life, and so it's like the massage gun, you can massage your sore muscles, and it, it's, it's epic, and so, but we have the, so we have the thing, and so anyhow, the, it, it's like, guess what, no pain, no gain, right, sometimes you go through a hard situation in life, and God is working something in you and through you that you may not even know. You might not even see it. You might not feel it because the dot over here and the dot over here don't seem to be connected at all. But maybe there's a spirit thing going on and you don't even know it. And so when something negative, you perceive to be negative is happening in your life, you got to combat that and say, you know what? I know that God works all things together for good. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. You know, that word from, 29, from Jeremiah 29, 11 was written to his people while they were in captivity. While they were enslaved and in captivity, he's writing this thing to, to, his, to his people who remained in captivity for a little while longer, if you read the story, right? In the midst of their trial and their hard time, God said, I know the plans I have for you, declared the Lord. So in the midst of your trial and your hard time, you can say, all right, God, you have plans for me and for welfare, and for not evil, and to give a future and a hope. So when the lie comes at you, you start quoting scripture. You start standing on the word of God. Number two, God has forgotten me and doesn't care. You ever felt abandoned by God? And if you have any kind of connection or abandonment or rejection issues ever in your life, that can be a stronghold that even the smallest thing can start to trigger those responses in your life. And that's where, again, you just got to stand on the word of God. And so you got to go research it out. In Hebrews 13, it says, I will not let you down, leave you, abandon you. Listen, sometimes our disappointments are God's appointments. Sometimes the things that, that we're disappointed with are the things that God is actually about to do something incredible through, if you will let him. And the lies of the enemy come against us. But I'm telling you, when you build your shield of faith, you can resist these lies. The third one is, this sin won't hurt me. God understands. I mean, he made me like this, right? So he knows that I have this struggle. I mean, why would he make me like this? And then ask me not to do that thing. Anybody ever had that thought? Typically like 10 minutes before you do that thing that you know you shouldn't be doing. God knows this is the way I am. In James chapter 1, it says this, 12 through 15, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, 
There will be tests in your life. You will have to face tests and trials. You will receive the crown of life which God promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Listen, we're, we're all going to face trials. All, if, you know, if God, God knows. He's cool with it. I mean, Jesus died on the cross too, right, for this? Yeah. He knew he had a time. Listen, that's not, that's, that, that's not it. Yeah, there's grace. But listen, we're going to face trials and temptations in our life, but we've got to overcome those trials and temptations. The last one is this, is I don't have the strength to make it. I don't have the strength to make it. And that's a lie from the enemy that comes in and says, you can't make this happen. You're not, gonna, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not strong enough. You don't, you're not popular enough. You're not this enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. And every time the lie comes in that you're not enough, this is where you can combat that. Isaiah 40 says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings, uh, with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Every time the enemy comes at you and says you're not enough, you can start to stand on the word of God. And for you, it might, you might need to find a bunch of verses. You start to memorize those verses. When the lies come at you, your shield of faith comes up. And you can stand strong against what he's doing, what the enemy is attacking you with. You don't have to fall for the lies. Beautiful thing that I love about the armor of God is that there's some defensive pieces, right? There's, there's a helmet, there's a breastplate, there's, there's shoes, there's a belt. Keep your pants up. It's good. Shield. Shield. There's an offensive weapon in there. And that's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And when you start to quote the Word of God, and when you start to use the sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit comes out of your mouth. And as you start to speak God's Word into these situations, the enemy has to flee. He, he, he has to, he gets rebuked from that. He gets turned back from that. Why? Because when Jesus was on the cross, he said, it's finished, and he took away the authority. And so when you come at the, at the enemy with the word of God, he's already defeated. You don't have to come up with a new strategy. All you have to do is enforce what's already been done. That's it. And the enemies in the darts, so they're flying. Put the Jesus filter on your brain to filter out the viruses. And, and, and then you start to speak the word of God and beat back the enemy where he's at. We're not just cowards sitting in a corner with shields and, and protective gear. We have a weapon in our hands that we're able to go and, and, and make an offensive attack. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. You put it in your mouth, and the shield is in defense, but the Word of God is your offense. You flip the tables on the enemy. So Jesus defeated Satan at the cross. There's a, there's a worship song I've been just on repeat all the time in my, in my car as I'm driving around and, and I'm not going to sing it, I'm not going to put you through that torture, but it says this, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. There's a verse that says, there's a table that you have prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. This is how I fight my battle. In the valley, I know that you're with me. Surely your goodness and mercy, they cover me. It's all out of Psalms 23. 
My weapons are praise and thanksgiving. This is how I fight my battles. And it starts to build and it says this. It says, it may look like I'm surrounded, but oh, I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm, I'm surrounded by you. Because guys, our victory is in the name of Jesus. It always has been, it always will be. We're not strong enough, we're not good enough, that's cool. But I, I, I'm part of God's team and, and, and as part of, part of God's team, I can just call on the heavenly host to come in. And I tell you what, they've kicked your butt once before, devil, and they'll do it again. You don't have to, when he reminds you of your past, you just remind him of, your, of his future. Can you bow your heads? Let's pray and we'll close. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for the battle that's been won. God, we just thank you that, that you've already won the victory and you've given us the tools and the weapons of warfare to take care of business. God, we just ask that, that right now, God, as the enemy attacks us, as his fiery arrows and darts just keep flying and flying and flying, God, give us the presence of mind to be able to combat everything that the enemy is doing with your word and your truth. God, strengthen our faith right where we're at. God, build up our faith and give us the words. God, help us to write down the, 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 the enemy's lies word for word and stick it in places where, where as soon as a lie comes in, we're like, nope, I've got that one. Here's the shield that I need for that arrow. God, I pray that you would help us to live victorious Christian lives. God, that we might stand strong in this evil day and that we might bring glory to your name and extending your kingdom everywhere that we go. In Jesus' mighty name, mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Church, will you stand with me? Let's sing one last song today.
Spirit be with you all. Have a wonderful week.